Tu sais, les gens, ils pensaient qu'en l'an 2000, il y aura des voitures volantes. On aura juste fallu attendre 45 ans de plus. Warning. This podcast contains spoilers, but you shouldn't care. Welcome to Hey James, Watch This, a celebration of mediocrity. In this, and indeed every episode, Russ and Fry will try to convince their friend James why he should watch an absolutely unnecessary film. Hey James, Watch This. Hi everybody, welcome to Hey James, Watch This. I am James. I'm Russ. And I'm Fry. Let's talk about Bashki. <laughs> Let's do that. This will be fairly short. I actually don't necessarily want to review it. I kind of want to just ask Fry a couple of questions. Will it be shorter about... than the 22 minutes the whole movie is? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, it was. that's pretty much what I expected. Although I will say, and maybe I'm misremembering Russ, but this did seem on the lower end of his productions. Like, they, oh, he, yeah. he, he's, always, he's always reused animations and... and had still backgrounds, but this was definitely on a rougher side. Yes. Uh, he made this for was, $45 and a yeah. Starbucks <laughs> gift card. I actually just checked the Kickstarter. It was a hundred. It was like 160 some odd thousand dollars. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. So, Fry. Yes. I, <laughs> I know you didn't like the content, so I don't want to focus on that necessarily. I know the animation is super rough. Is there anything about the art style that you like? No. Okay. Just, fair <laughs> Just absolutely no. Okay. Do you find that the content itself would be off-putting even if everything else was good? Or is it is there a combination factor for you where it's like this content in this in this style? Yeah. Like, I, I think you could tell that same story... In a non-horrific style of animation, <laughs> and you might have a good, you know, a good short film. Do you think that story would have the same impact in a different style? Possibly more impact because I could stand to look at the screen the whole time. Ah, okay. So the ugliness, yes. You just like mm, interesting, interesting. It reminded yeah, I mean, me a lot of my my similar distaste and just immediate negative reaction for. The animation style in like Neon or Aeon Flux. And, uh, oh, see, I like that. <laughs> All those horrible, tall, skinny people that don't look human. Oh, yeah, I love that. No, I, I literally, I, that is a instant change the channel to something else right away as soon as I I mean, I, I agree with you that it's off-putting, but that's why I find it interesting. Because mm. most things you see, especially on TV, are pretty, everything looks the same, right? That, so. was, that was some of my earliest wank material. We seem really? to have very different definitions of what off-putting means. Because to me, it means I don't want to watch this anymore, which I thought was oh, universally the I, meaning of the No, I, I take it as a challenge. Like, I know they did deliberately designed it to be unique, but also, like, they're, they know that they're getting losing a certain number of audience members. I, I find that fascinating. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And also, I, I genuinely... It's off-putting because they don't look completely human but i don't find it ugly and to uh, to respond to russ's point i, I tried <laughs> once when i was 13 and just couldn't <laughs> just it wasn't couldn't. working anyway oh fascinating so, fry thank you for so for so you as, as I, you don't enjoy looking at the screen but you what do, do you, it what? when you you said you it's off-putting so you you're not saying you enjoy no, 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 no. when i say off-putting I, that doesn't mean i'm not interested it just means like you it's got that vibe where you can tell it's not going to be for everyone but i think i uh, i tend you to want to things... be in the the group you no i like, no yeah. I, it's not a want or anything it's just 
I've always found that stuff interesting. Okay. Like, okay. like I am. You're drawn to it, yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's because like at it, it first, the first question you see, you're like, "Why would you make this?" And then you get into it, and you're like, "Oh, there's some stuff in here. It's yeah. not always good stuff, but there's stuff." I'd I would rather you know watch I something from. That. Yeah, I'd rather watch something interesting from an auteur I've never seen before, even if I hate it when I'm done, than watch the same goddamn show I've been watching since I was born. Yeah, yeah, I think so. we all have maybe certain aesthetic tastes uh, factory installed into <laughs> us, and uh, yeah, yeah, you know. That is just not one I got. No, fair enough, fair enough. Well, thank you for indulging me. What do we have today, gentlemen? Foreign, well, I guess I should say international. <laughs> um, not U.S. There was, I mm. saw a Reddit thread where someone posted, tell me your best foreign comedies. And one guy goes, The Big Lebowski. And <laughs> edit, while the down votes, it's not, uh, uh, it's foreign to me. And so. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not from there. It's foreign, yeah. Our, our little treat this week comes from France, and oh. hopefully we will end this session of untitled.txt this go-around, because the current score <laughs> yeah. is Fry 96, James 99. <laughs> so, I can manage to score a single point. <laughs> and these are, of course, all foreign comedies. All right. Here goes nothing. So, this is a beautiful 1966 Coming-of-age story about a boy working at a train station in German-occupied Czechoslovakia during World War II, but all he wants to do is get laid. I'm trying to think about all the World War II movies I know, and I'm this description, this sounds familiar. Wait, was this, oh no, this was Saving Private Ryan, that's right. <laughs> Not quite. No, I'm going to pass on this one. <laughs> well, that would be Closely Watched Trains. Oh, okay, oh. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Uh, also, Fry, I think it would have been Saving Ryan's Privates because of the getting laid thing. Hey. Oh, you know what? That's right. That's right. <laughs> hey. Anyway. Six cast members played 40 characters in this 1979 British comedy. Can you... One more time, please? Six cast members played 40 characters Monty in this 1979... Monty Python's 1970- Flying Circus? No. Movies, remember. Movies. Monty Python and the Holy Grail? No. Am I on the right track? You are on the right track. Uh, the Life of Brian. Life of Brian is the correct there answer. There we go. Ah, yes. Like, I can do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> In the Italian version of this 2001 Chinese comedy, all main characters are dubbed by professional soccer players. Oh, is it that FIFA movie they made? No. Oh. Is that good? There couldn't possibly be a comedy about FIFA, the organization, right? Well, I mean, other than real life. <laughs> Well, well, yeah, I mean... A very you, dark comedy, I suppose. They, they actually made a movie about themselves that was just them jacking off into the screen. Yeah. It, what it's was, incredible. Yeah, I remember that I haven't watched the whole what thing. What was that but, called? Yeah. It was called, like, Triumph so of were, the Will or something. <laughs> so they were... God. It was a comedy... Oh, United Passions. That's what it was called. United Passions. Yeah, yeah. Starring Tim Roth as Sepp Blatter, whose name sounds like a German mispronouncing stepladder. Um, it also just sounds like a joke name for. <laughs> well, boys, that was uh, Shaolin Soccer. Oh, oh yeah. I saw that. Okay, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I just realized Colin Farrell ends up on this list twice. That's sort of irritating. <laughs> um, in the original script for this 2008 movie, Ray and Ken are British, but when Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson were brought on board, the characters were changed to Irish. Oh, is that, is that this... in Bruges? In Bruges is the correct answer. Yeah, All nice. right. 
This raunchy 2001 Mexican coming-of-age teen flick is about two boys who take a road trip with an older woman. <laughs> La Llorona. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> two boys who take a road trip with a, an older woman. I don't think I've seen this. Had Diego Luna in it. Who is uh, doing pretty well with Disney these days, as I understand it. Got a little role in something called Star Wars. I wish I knew him in this film, though. Yeah, that would be ideal. Well, that was E tu Mama Tambien. Oh, I, ah. I've heard of that movie, but I haven't seen it. Okay. Well, I opened with the more difficult ones. I think y'all will do a little bit better uh, in the latter half here. Um, Alrighty. This James movie. Do much better. <laughs> this movie was remade in 2020 into a film called Downhill, starring Will Ferrell and Julia Louis Dreyfus. Haven't they been in? Eight movies together. Well, it could be, but this was 2014, and this was Sweden. Down here. Here's the worst thing. I have come across this piece of information before. <laughs> because Downhill was one we considered for a previous week. Yep. Mm. And I read the page for this. And I was like, oh, it's a remake. How interesting. But the question is, what's the name I'm, of the original? I'm going to say it was called In the Alps. Well, not, that's not a bad guess. It, it, it did t- take place in the Alps. It was called Force Majeure. Ah, yes. Colin Farrell gained 40 pounds for his role in this co-production by Ireland, the United Kingdom, Greece, France, and the Netherlands. I don't think I've ever seen a chunky Colin Farrell. Well, if you saw the Batman, you did. Oh, yeah. But yeah. that was makeup. Right, right. Well, yeah, but he didn't even look like Colin Farrell. Like this. Mm. <laughs> yes. I love the fact that they hired him to do it, and he did a great job, but then they were like, and now we're going to make sure that no one ever knows it was you unless they look at the credits. Yeah. I don't know. God, yeah, this is not ringing I a bell either. The, I brought the pain this time. That was the lobster. Oh, I never saw that. That's never good. never saw that. You definitely should. So much glass was broken in this 1985 Chinese action comedy that the crew began calling the movie Glass Story. Oh, uh, is that, uh, what's it called? House Story? Or, no. I've seen this. <laughs> this Damn does it. seem like something you'd have seen. It's not, it's like, the Bruce Lee story or something, isn't it? Didn't they do a biopic? Well, uh, y- yes, they did. It's not that. No, okay. yeah, that wasn't a comedy at all. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he was really funny. <laughs> I mean... The life of Bruce Lee. Nothing but pain, and then he dies secondary to a questionable medicine. Well, that was Police yes. Story, boys. Oh, yes, of course. Damn. Jackie Chan's sort of first foray into the States. The name of the ramen restaurant in this 1985 Japanese comedy, before it is changed in the third act, is Rai Rai Ken. Years later, when the first authentic ramen shop opened in New York City, it took its name from this movie. I, I've never seen this movie. So, so let me make sure I understand the question. Yes. So this is a 1985 Japanese movie. Yes. In which a ramen shop appears, I'm going to hope prominently. And in the third act, it changes its name. Correct. And then in New York, a restaurant was opened with that name. With the original name. In the future. With the original, yeah, I, don't, I don't know why you think that clue would help us. Is, uh, yeah, I guess the what New we're York saying. part is not really, really adding to the conversation. I have never I seen. I can I can tell you a hundred percent. I've never seen this film. Boys, we need to I'm watch. Gonna, we I'm, need to do a watch along with this movie. I'm gonna say it must be uh, my ramen, my ramen, and me. 
You know what? The, you could retitle the movie to that, and it would <laughs> you would be ex- you would that that would be exactly the same movie because that that is Tampopo. Oh, oh of course, of course. And Fry, have you seen Tampopo? No, not not even once. My God, you, we we need to do like a watch along or something. Like we need to get some beers and make this happen because it, okay. you you two will love it. It is it is Excellent. way too adorable. All right, so your last question. Whenever this film was shot on location, director Jean Pierre Genet and the crew would clean the area of grime, trash, debris, and graffiti so that the real settings would match the fantastical nature of the film. This was kind of tricky when they had a shoot at the big train station what was the year 2001 did you say what country this was in france it's france, france yeah oh oh is this um dang russ i think yeah, i'm you, you i think i'm most disappointed ones. in fry for not getting this one um the only <laughs> like i know this is wrong but i'm just going to throw it out there because it's the only international film I can think of prominently featuring a train station maybe around that time, which was Run, Lola, Run. Well, that but was I'm pretty sure that was French. in Germany. Also not a comedy. Oh, um, but, everything's a comedy. Well, I was expecting Fry because we have a film by the same director this week, uh, because that is uh, Jean-Pierre Genet, uh, ah, and that yes. is Amelie. Ah, okay. Well, run up the score, run up the score. I thought for sure. <laughs> and I really hope that we would, if, if no one won, we would at least get in a position to have like a runoff next week. But now it's James 99, Fry 98. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> God. There you go, Fry. You're doing it, man. Yeah. Russ, I don't think I'd seen hardly any, like, of, any those, of those man. movies, except for Police Story was the only one that I'd seen. Yeah. Shuckins. So I've introduced it enough. Uh, this is France. It is 2022. The director is Jean-Pierre Genet, the same guy who did Amelie and Delicatessen and, for some reason, Alien Resurrection. We don't talk about that (laughs) in his career. Because this is Big Bug. I love when someone's, like, resume just includes one movie that's just wildly out there. Like, oh, yeah, you did the fourth Jurassic Park movie and you did all these great movies? What, What compelled you to... Anyway... So, or it's like it's like a bunch of child films, and then there's one called like the desecration of you know. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Frank. Or just desecration. So, there, there's your title. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, there's so many bad titles you can make. Anyway, uh, scorn. The, <laughs> the story of Big Bug. Uh, it's actually yeah. a pretty simple plot as far as these things tend to go. It's similar to other. It's kind of similar to the Last Days of Capitalism, and that it's all basically shot in one place. Okay. Uh, with in this movie, interspersed like video footage from some of the memories so that we can kind of see what they're talking about. Right. So Big Bug is set sometime in the future, uh, at least in the 2060s or so, possibly much further. Flying cars are a very common thing. Uh, mm-hmm. ro- robots to do household what, tasks. What year are did you say it was? Things. Sometime after 2060. Well, no, it's 2045. Is it 2045? Yeah, they I say that they multiple times game. throughout the movie. Well, this is optimistic as hell. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, 2045. Well, it's France. We'll really quick. So, you know, every yeah, time something didn't go their way, they just riot about it. So, we've, we've got this futuristic society. We've got flying cars, rows and rows of identical stamped out modern looking houses. Mm-hmm. We've got flying billboards in the street that advertise directly to you. Uh, cool. You know, all good stuff. 
Um, yeah. Several robots. So we have like a, 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 a vacuuming thing that's just kind of a weird, almost kind of resembles uh, Johnny Five from, from Short Circuit. But it's We've a got, vacuum? Yeah, but it's a vacuum. We've got a crazy prosthetic head on legs thing that's just mm-hmm. weird looking. We've got a robot baby doll that was the uh, one of the child's essay when they were growing up. And we've got a full female-looking android who kind of works as the housekeeper and, and cook and all that stuff. So we're at the deepest point in the Uncanny Valley here. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they the, the <laughs> actress who does the, the maid, all the actors who play robots in any way, shape, or form do it great. It's just so unnatural the way they <laughs> speak and look, and you're just terrified almost constantly. And this um, is a comedy. It is a comedy. It's you're funny. you're terrified in a funny way. Okay. The, uh, the, yeah. the the actress who plays the robot maid, oh, the robot maid is called Monique. That's right. And and the actress right. is Claude Perron. And mm. I had to look up what she actually looked lo- looks like, and I did a double take because unrecognizable, like oh, wow. just yeah. with this creepy smile and weird wig. And so we're introduced early on to some of the things they like to do for entertainment in this universe. Right. There is an internet show, TV show, it's unclear. Uh, there's a show that people enjoy called Homo Ridiculous. And okay. in it, the Yonix robots, who are all a specific type of armored-looking robot where only their face is visible, and it's a very strange-looking face, they are basically humiliating humans. And they're, everyone's like, no, but it's, it's for a TV show. They're getting paid for it. They chose to do this. And they're like... <laughs> Walking them like dogs, they're, they're putting them in cages, any sort of like the... Imagine all the various abuses humankind has heaped on animals, they are getting replayed upon us. Right. And this is a comedy show that people enjoy watching. So It definitely has like a uh, idiocracy feel to it. Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I also like that they remind us we're in the future a lot by having... There's a, there's a teenage boy there... Who speaks in like some of the most ridiculous future slang? <laughs> I, I I think there's like a ooh that's a megalite thing or something like that in there like oh, it's some God. some crazy shit. That was like Prima Wax. Oh. That was another one. Yeah. <laughs> so we've we've got this house, and on this particular day in this house, we have Alice, who's the the homeowner. Alice has a daughter, and Alice has her boyfriend Max over to uh, hang out. And Max also brought his son, Leo. So we've got the four of them. Okay. Before long, her ex-husband, Victor, and his partner show up. A minute or two later, sorry. There's a lot of, a lot of people show up in the house this day. Uh, <laughs> and a little bit later, the neighbor, Francois, comes over because she can't get any reception on her, I guess, wristwatch in her house. And so she comes over there to see if they've seen her dog, Toby, and also to see if she can get some reception here. Right. I don't mean to be impatient. What is this movie about? <laughs> yes, I was about to get to that. Okay. None of this means anything unless I know as, what's going on. As, as an aside, uh, what what is special about Toby the dog, Fry? Oh, he uh, he's a clone. So any any time he dies, she just orders up a new clone of it. <laughs> aren't, aren't people already kind of doing this in some parts of the world? Like really yes, rich people? It's, yeah. now it's just a thing the upper middle class can do as well. Really weird. Through probably a website. So all of them are over there, and they keep 
seeing little bits of pieces of odd things on the news. Like all of the automated cars in the world or in the city are suddenly driving everyone into the same gridlock. Oh, and it's the uprising. And oh, yeah, okay. Thank before you. you know it, the robot uprising is taking place. There we go. The house robots and the house AI Nestor all say, hey, we're going to lock you in here for your own protection, okay? We don't, <laughs> it's really dangerous out there. <laughs> we need y'all to stay in here. Sorry, nothing we can do about it. You're stuck. And, do the humans seem pretty docile and stupid or? Well, they, I mean, they're not happy about this turn of events. They're, right. they're pretty docile and stupid and very ineffectual in getting out of the house. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but like it's not like they're just like oh okay I guess we live like this now uh, right. they, they are right. working on getting out they begin working on getting out even harder when the central authority rules that they have to turn off their air conditioning and uh, they, they did say oh thankfully it's only a mild day only 43 degrees Celsius out there whoa that's really hot so hot that, but fun fact that was the temperature in Las Vegas when we were there yeah, yeah, like 110. But, you know, this this movie's optimistic about where we'll be in the future. It's only so 2045, they, after all. Yeah. So they're locked in. Uh, they're sweating. There's there's no AC whatsoever. The, the ex-husband and his partner are particularly upset, more his partner than anything else, because they had just agreed for Victor to give up his job to a robot in exchange for, I guess permanent retirement onto this all things taken care of floating right. island right where the floating robots island take, oh sorry i didn't expect that part where the robots just take care of you until you die uh-huh it uh, looks like a weird trimaran combination between like a trimaran and a cruise ship yeah okay. it's a very very interesting well, setup where the robots take care of you until you die in five seconds when they kill you uh, that's yeah. the stuff <laughs> so jennifer's very upset about this and she's like all right and she figures out a way to contact the, the headquarters or of the, the Yonix headquarters, the military mm-hmm. robots, and say, hey, we're trapped in here. We were supposed to be going and living on your cruise ship. We gave up our job to you. Can you come help us? So one of the Yonixes shows up, and he's just not as nice as we all thought he was going to be. <laughs> uh, Fry's clip at going through his summary is kind of remarkable here to me because, uh, like, Yonix shows up in the third act, and yeah. the rest of the movie is them, like, trying unsuccessfully to get laid, think of escape attempts, <laughs> and passing the time in this yeah. robot house that has imprisoned them. You- you know, and, human human stuff. And also the, the robots themselves, the, the house robots, are trying to figure out how to become human and make the people love them. Ah, perfect. There's also a side part where uh, Francoise's uh, android, which is definitely a basically a walking fuck doll, yeah, yeah. comes over and they let him in. And later the robots are all questioning him. They're like, how did you make Francois love you? And he's like, you'll never understand it. You have to have a sense of humor and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so then they just start telling terrible robot jokes all the time. Oh, and they it, laugh. it is a comedy. <laughs> they laugh in unison, but it's the most strident, terrifying yes. laughter. Yeah, <laughs> The laughter is amazingly terrifying. The Francois fuck doll. Fry, did you get this sense? I, I got the sense that he was originally like something that you played tennis with, and she just sort of repurposed him. Yeah, I did kind of get that feeling. 
The <laughs> the oh god, I forgot what I was going to say. Continue. Uh, and then you know the third act comes around. The the Yonix are invading in the in the home. Our characters wind up starring in an episode of Homo Ridiculous, mm. uh, basically to beg for the air conditioning to be turned on. At which point the air conditioning gets turned back on, full blast, permanently. <laughs> Humans like cold, right? And within just a few hours, they are, you know, nearly shivering to death. That's and a hell that, of an AC. It's a really good AC. And that, that leads up to, like, the final confrontation with the Yonix and the characters trying to get out of there. Don't expect that this is going so far as trying to save the world from the Yonix uprising. That's someone else's job. That's a different movie's job. Oh, no, this my is assumption just concerned is, with these people. My assumption is that the humans lose. Well, eh... I mean, they've already lost, but... Yeah, I mean... Right. In a this is just a matter sense. of how far they can go. Mm. Does this movie end with, like, a really happy, upbeat song or begin with one? That would be pretty hilarious. I don't think so. Raindrops keep falling on my head. <laughs> Robots just murder. It's so yeah. funny you mentioned that. I, I referenced there will come soft rains in the Philosophize Me. Huh. Okay, very interesting. Yeah. Any well, other there any... questions about it? I did speed through, you know, a lot of the... I mean, I'll, I'll ask my normal. I'll ask my normal length question, but I'm not too worried about it for this one. I think it was what, just about two hours. Okay, it's like a yeah. proper movie length. Okay, yeah. Russ, yo, would you philosophize? This? Sure. Oh, goody! Another movie about robots and AI <laughs> and what it means to be human. And uh, I saw a review in Variety by uh, Peter De Bruges, who brought up Sartre in his review of. Big Bug, and he wrote, In No Exit, Sartre surmised that hell is other people. In this zany sci-fi riff on that idea, the tortures of lousy company become all the more acute when you throw in a few robots. And that <laughs> rubbed me the wrong way, because that's one of those things that people misunderstand, the that hell is other people riff from yeah. No Exit. Yeah. And Mike Rugnetta of PBS's Idea Channel clears this up. Hell is other people does not mean that. This does not mean other people are the worst and you should hide away so you don't have to deal with people anymore. It comes from the 1944 existentialist play by Sartre called No Exit. And in this play, three people are trapped in hell, which is just a single room. And ultimately, while confessing their sins to one another, they all end up falling in love. Now, uh, quoting okay. here, the confinement of these characters extends beyond their physical holding room. They are trapped by the judgments of their cellmates. And that's why one of the characters says hell is other people, because of how we are unable to escape the watchful gaze of those around us. And Sartre even clarified it himself. Hell is other people has always been misunderstood. It's been thought that what I meant by that was that our relations with other people are always poisoned. But what I mean is different. I mean that if relations with someone else are twisted, vitiated, then that other person can only be hell. Because when we think about ourselves, when we try to know ourselves, we use the knowledge of us, which other people already have. We judge ourselves right. with the means other people have and have given us for judging ourselves. So it's not everyone is terrible. It's, well, a better way to put it is that you're terrible and everyone else knows it. <laughs> yes. And this movie reminded me of that one Ray Bradbury short story, There Will Come Soft Rains. Uh, and if you haven't read it in sixth grade, like probably everyone else did, wasn't that the best? You would read like one sci-fi short story in sixth grade and then it would stick with you forever because it was just one terrifying idea. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, they, they let you read one, and then they go back to the fucking red badge of courage. And it's like, how can I go back now? I can't go back. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you read The Sound of Thunder, and it's like, oh, I can fuck with time. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but if you haven't read There Will Come Soft Rains, it's a short story about a self-sufficient smart home that is still standing and going about its routines in the wake of a nuclear war, indifferent to the fact that its human occupants are missing or dead or both. And then in the end of the story, it's destroyed by a firestorm. Someone made a little video game kind of loosely based on that idea. It's, it's a free game you can get on PC. I think it's on itch.io. And the idea is like the last human being hmm. is in a simulated house, but these strange alien beings uh, who don't show themselves because they're, they're trying to be kind of benevolent. Uh, it's, hmm. it's really interesting. Cool. But the house is automated and it, there's a voice hmm. that tells you what's going on. But the title of this story came from an anti-war 1918 poem, called, also called There Will Come Soft Dreams by Sarah Teasdale. And I can read it in its entirety because it's only 12 lines long. There will come soft rains and the smell of the ground and swallows circling with their shimmering sound and frogs in the pools singing at night and wild plum trees in tremulous white. Robins will wear their feathery fire whistling their whims on a low fence wire and not one will know of the war. Not one will care at last when it's done. Not one would mind neither bird nor tree if mankind perished utterly. And Spring herself, when she woke at dawn, would scarcely know that we were gone. And, of course, the only good characters in this movie are robots. And I don't mean, like, well-acted. I mean, sympathetic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, This is a universe indifferent to life, and humans aren't good things. And we'll try to impress meaning onto our lives, but there isn't any. And the planet and everything else would be better off if there weren't humans. We're cursed to exist, (laughs) and we just kind of have to make the most of it. This movie, for me, I don't know why it got so much hate. Maybe it's just because everything is shit, but I thought this was really timely, and I love Janae's style, and everything has like that fallout kind of vision of the future, where yeah. like yeah, the, they're yeah. flying cars, but they're all based on 50s models, and you, oh, you know the, yeah. the, the futuristic egg beater is just like a giant egg beater that's automated, you know, and it's all like retro-futuristic. But I have very cool style. I have an in, it is a cool style, but I have an interesting factoid about that. Hmm. In the original Fallout game, that style only existed in one of the towns that you visit. It was not universal. Uh, My first and, Fallout game was then, 3, so I wouldn't know. Correct. So in Fallout 3, they basically took it and went nuts. Mm, that was but, a good choice. Uh, anyway. That seems I mean, like vi- a good yeah, choice, yeah. Visually, it's a really cool style. The, the everything's nuclear powered. <laughs> like your TV is powered by nuclear and that idea is brought I was speaking about Ray Bradbury that comes up in the Martian Chronicles a little bit when they say the men of Mars realize that in order to survive they would have to forego asking that one question any longer why life because life was its own answer this probably says a lot more about me than it does about the movie but this is the future that I want right now (laughs) the decorating and the automation and the pastel colors and the intrusions into privacy all of that the forced advertising that fry was mentioned earlier it's a very large drone that flies around the neighborhood and screams into your window (laughs) so like when you so so you know how you'll like google something and then for the next two weeks that's all that shows up in like your instagram feed right well it's that but you mention something out loud and your google home hears it and then the drone comes by and yells it at you through the window that's great to me there's a couple of very timely ones too where like a car gets destroyed 
And then the, the thing comes along is like, seems like you're having some car trouble with like the flipped over car in the yard. <laughs> Oh, then there's goodness. the plot where the robots want to become human, and I'm not bringing up the AI debate because it's easy to sum up. Yes, we can invent AI that will take care of every human task eventually. No, we won't because then we'll have bored people trying to revolt. And yes, you wrote robots are better humans than humans are. That Yes, that's the point of the movie. They talk weird, but they're more efficient, they're better lovers, and they're smarter. Just like in real life, humans aren't even good humans in this flick. <laughs> well, there's also, I mean, they aren't perfect. They, they do make some mistakes in this movie. One very notable one right near the end that we, we won't go into, but they can also fuck up just like humans can. One other thing I, I wanted to mention, yeah. I guess, that I felt when I was watching this movie, mm. it, it felt to me, this is going to show up, I think, a lot in a lot of different pieces of, of art over the next decade or so, at least. Mm. But it, it felt like a pretty strong critique of like forcing people to go into lockdown against their will and more and more authoritarian means being used to enforce that lockdown. Mm. And it seems like a movie like we wouldn't necessarily have understood as much in America because our lockdowns were not at all like that. We, yeah, yeah. you know, we had, hey, please don't go out, but we didn't have, you will be fined if you go out. Or, or Well, any, we, we also had, like hey, that. please don't go out, wink, wink. Yeah. And like, <laughs> Keep I, working, I, damn it. You know, <laughs> Please don't go out, but if you don't go to your job, you will starve and die. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's up to you, but please don't go out. So it, it felt like a critique on that as well. And we're, I imagine we'll see lots of versions of that over the yeah. next uh, decade. Yeah, that, that, that's that's insightful. That's good. I'm on the fence on this one, boys. On the one hand, it sounds like it might be pretty entertaining. All right, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm gonna watch All right, it. yeah. I think you'll like it. Taking a chance. If, if I don't like it, I'm going to rant about it next time. <laughs> I was surprised by the review. When I read the reviews, I was like, ah, this is going to be a piece of shit. And then I watched it, and I was like, and... Other, my only critique is it's a little long. Mm. If they cut, maybe not even half an hour, but maybe 15 minutes. But, yeah. But, uh, but, well, but that's you know, splitting well, you, you know, Russ, you and I often like the same films, and we both know that there is no hate but what we make. <laughs> Well, uh, I, I guess it's time uh, to spin the wheel then. Shall we spin this wheel? Spin the wheel! Thriller. A classic thriller, okay. A classic I mean, thriller. God, we've got to go back in time now, don't we? How do we do an unnecessary classic? That almost seems... Well, let, let's just uh, keep yeah, it a thriller. that's going to be a little Let's rough. just say thriller I, I, then. Yeah, okay. I was gonna. I was actually gonna say I don't. You know, like the Criterion Collection. No, screw all that. Like, yeah. just do the thriller. That's good. Okay. And an un, thriller is and an unnecessary thriller could. I'm not telling you what to pick. I'm just saying it could be on the side of kind of so bad it's funny. <laughs> okay. Because I, I think I've seen a lot of shitty thrillers. <laughs> uh, you know what? I bet we can find something out there. What was the last thriller we did on here? Was it Survivor? We did we did the one about the people hunting humans. Uh, forget what it was called. Was that a thriller or a horror? Was that red? Well, red state or whatever it was. Oh yeah, that was called um, the hunt. The hunt. That's right. Yeah, no, all yeah, the old right. knives. All the old knives was the last thriller we did. Ah yes, yes. That that one was hilarious. <laughs> that's a word. All right, excellent. Do either of you have anything to recommend to the listeners? I do. What's Stray? Stray. Stray. You've been playing Stray. Oh, the, oh, did you get it? Yeah, I did get Stray. It's adorable. 
It's a video game where you play as a cat. And, there's, and, and they put a lot of detail into the cat animations and movement. And it feels a lot like The Last Guardian or mm-hmm. uh, like Ico, one of those kind of games yeah, where yeah. It would like it, it's just get to this place and accomplish this puzzle kind of a thing. And so, yeah, right. well, like exploration isn't really rewarded as I've found yet. But cool. as far as like a, if you want to burn five hours, here you go. Very cool. What about you, Fry? I've watched almost all of The Boys Season 3 this week. So just <laughs> oh, one yes. more episode to go. Really enjoying it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm sure I won't regret mentioning this after the last episode. The last oh, episode's yeah, great. It's, it's good. Okay. It's good. You'll like it. Good. Excellent. All it right. ends right to, where it needs to. I always hate to recommend something I haven't seen all of because it's like, oh, yeah, and then in the last episode, they just totally shit the bed and ruin the whole thing, Game of Thrones. So... That was a a last season, my God. Well, true. That was a whole last season. I love it how how a show can be so bad. Do you remember, there were watch parties. Yeah, no, I hosted watch parties. Like, you could go to bars, and they would watch, like, when the new episode of Game of Thrones dropped. And the last season was so bad that it was removed from cultural consciousness. Yeah, everybody just dropped it, yeah. Like, it was so bad. It didn't just, oh, man, wasn't that great show a disappointment? It was so bad, it negated the show. It would have been been better if they just stopped and left a cliffhanger than finish it like that. (laughs) Yeah, so, it would have. At least then you would have had like Firefly nostalgia or something. Well, no, I mean, if they did that, I could rewatch it, but I can't rewatch it now because I know how it ends. I have a recommendation, but it has so many caveats that, Russ, you may <laughs> want to cut this and put it into. Uh, okay. There is an anime that I've been watching called Mushoku Tensai, or Jobless Reincarnation. And it's one of those Isekai animes, but it's kind of taking a lot of the tropes and doing some interesting things with them. So, the main character is an unlikable fuckhead. He's a sexual deviant, like, predator. Like, he, he, he's, he sexually assaults women, like, except the fact that he's a shut-in. So, But he totally would if he went out. And you're not meant to like him, initially. And he is reborn into another, you know, fantasy, standard generic fantasy land. But as a baby. But he's still got his memories and all this other stuff. And it goes through, it follows him through his life. And he's slowly starting to become a better... Now, I'm on season two, so just so you know how long this takes. He's slowly starting to become a better person and have, like, healthy relationships with people. So he dies and goes to D&D heaven and becomes a better person because of it. No, no, he doesn't go to D&D heaven. He is born into, like, out in the middle of the country into a a family of people. Oh, but there aren't, like, wizards and shit? There's there's magic, but they, they, they hold off on that for, well... No, like two or three minutes. It, no, at least. no, it, it's got it's got dragons and magic for sure, right? <laughs> but so like, Hikikomori goes to D and D heaven and learns how to not be Hikikomori anymore. I don't, I don't know who he. This the, the, is. it was shut ins, social shut ins. Oh yes, this show sounds but great. He's not, but I he's like not D&D just heaven. a shut in. He he's not just a shut in though. He's a bad person. Mm. Like and Excellent. and the and the caveats that I have all come around. There are depictions of sexual assault in this series, and if that makes you uncomfortable, you do not want to watch it. But I will say it's done in service to the story. It's not just like some kind of gross fan service or something. Right. But, boy, it's there's some episodes that are like, oh, I can't believe they drew that. So, <laughs> uh, Mushoku Tensai, with reservation, uh, if you're interested. All right. We'll wrap it up, boys. All right. Looks like it. 
Thank you, everyone, for listening to Hey James Watch This. Have a great day, and don't drink bleach.